0: Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kemah, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. We're continuing in this series, Live It!, And if you've been coming here very long, you know that live it is a catchphrase that we use. And what that really means is let's live what we say we believe as Christians. Let's live that out. I want to shout it out loud. I want to live it out loud. You know, I want people to know that the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. And I'm going to walk in the dominion and and the power and the authority and the victory of life that that God has called us to live. Uh, We're going to be going to... James chapter 1 verses 1 through 8 and Hebrews chapter 4 and this series is centered around becoming spiritually mature the last series was about the word of God and this series is about us growing up and becoming mature believers and how do we do that and the core scripture for this series is found in James 1 22. it says don't just listen to God's word you must do what it says; otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. And and we read in the Word of God that there are promises, there are uh, commitments that God has made to us, so we can walk in the power and the authority. So don't just listen to God's word, but live it out. I think is what James would have us have us understand. Uh, a little background on James: James was written back in approximately 49 A.D., and he was writing to the first. Century, first century Jewish Christians that were living in uh, non-Jewish areas. They were living amongst Gentiles, non-Jews, and as Christians, it seems like it's becoming more difficult for us to stand for the things of God and and uh, uh, espouse Christian values and say, "Hey, I'm a Christian, and this is what we believe." And I think that that's probably similar to the environment that that these Christians these Jewish Christians were living in where they were living in non-Jewish communities amongst Gentiles. And so they had the challenge, they had the tension like we have sometimes of living out our Christian faith and our Christian life amongst those that have different beliefs. A lot of these people that they were living amongst were pagans. That meant that they worshipped other gods. Some of them had many gods that they worshipped. And so these Jewish Christians were taking the faith of God and living that out. And James was encouraging them as he will be encouraging you and me to to do the same thing in our daily life. Let's go to James chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to read it in the New American Standard Bible. It says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. This word for slave or bondservant is doulos in the Greek word. And it can be literal or it can be figurative. It can be involuntary or voluntary, but it means to be a slave or a servant. It, mean, it implies obedience, devotion, and it's spoken of many times as Christians uh, that are true worshipers and followers of Christ. And the word says that once we were a slave to sin, we were enslaved in sin, trapped in all those things. And you, you probably don't have to think very hard to figure out what those things were in your life that had entrapped you and enslaved you. And the Word says, now we're a slave to Christ, meaning we're devoted, we're committed to Him. We've left those things from the world that had us enslaved. It could be drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever that looks like. We've left those things. We've taken the bonds off of us. The chains have been broken. We've been set free. And now I'm, I'm, I'm chained to Christ. I'm a slave of his. Everything that he does is what I want to do. I am free. No more chains. Been set free. Going to shout it out loud. Come on. Somebody here has been set free. If I have. All right. So this letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. And he says, greetings. Greetings. I have something I want to say to you. And James is writing to these Jewish Christians And they're scattered all around the Mediterranean because of of persecution. And so they've spread out, which was, you know, it would seem like it's a bad thing. They're being persecuted. But what happened was then the gospel began to spread. So it began to go out. So he's writing to some of these Christians to encourage them. Verse two, he says, dear brothers and sisters. When trouble comes your way. Count it an opportunity for great joy. Are you crazy? (laughs) When trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. This word for trouble means a trial or test or uh, a test of adversity or affliction which God brings us through. So He brings us through and it's an opportunity for us to prove our faith and our confidence in Him. When we go through times of trial and, tra- and testing, that's when we, we really find out where our faith is. And so we can grow in those seasons. God will never tempt us to help us grow, but he will give us a test. Why, why does a professor give you a test? Because you need to know where you are in relation to the material that's being taught. And thank God for tests so we don't get to the end of the semester and then take a test and find out we didn't grasp any of the material. And it also helps the professor know, hey, listen, these guys are not getting it. So I need to go back and cover some stuff. But it's for us so that we'll know how we're doing. And so God will allow tests to come to see how we're doing. How are you holding up? Where is your faith? Do you have trust in me? Do you believe my word? Can you love that knucklehead that's giving you a problem can you love them with an unconditional love that's a test i've been there i know what it's like dear brothers and sisters when when it doesn't say if when trouble comes your way consider it an opportunity for great joy god wants his children to grow up and mature god wants us to grow up and mature and this is what james is talking about here most of us will avoid pain at almost any cost And um, about six years ago, I was, I know it was at Christmas time because I remember this very vividly. I was munching down on a uh, peppermint sugar cane, candy cane, and I broke one of my tooth back here. Well, it didn't really hurt. So for like six or seven years, six years or so, I didn't do anything about it. I just tried to be careful and kind of chew on the other side. I don't mean to be disgusting here, but anyway, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, and and so then I was chewing over here on this side, and I broke like a cavity, and this was a different story. It was very uncomfortable. It hurt, and, and so it was making it hard to eat, and I was thinking about going to the dentist. We don't have insurance, and so I was thinking, well, we don't have insurance, but the the real issue was I didn't want to go get the shot in the mouth. I mean, come on. You know it's going to hurt. They they rubbed that oral gel stuff on there, right, and kind of deaden it, but you know, you're still going to feel that shot. And, and I went to the dentist, and I was thinking about this recently, and they rub that stuff on your gum, and then they give you the shot. How long does the pain last? I mean, maybe uh, maybe they give you a couple of shots, so maybe 10 seconds, It's maybe. And I'm thinking, wow, I should have done this a long time ago. That 10 seconds of pain was worth the relief that I've gotten <laughs> from this tooth. And so sometimes the Lord is dredging up something that He wants to bring healing to in our life, but we're afraid of the pain that we're going to have to navigate through to allow Him to do that. And many times it's less painful to receive the healing, just get the shot, than continue with the pain that we're suffering with. But I see people all the time that are spiritually wounded and suffering and hurt, and they won't take the shot. I mean... I understand that. I don't like getting a shot in the mouth either. But when when 10 seconds of pain will relieve months and hours of relief. And when we look at our lives and we say, God, I'm wounded. I'm broken. I'm crying. I need some help. I'm hurting. Seriously hurting. I may be even killing myself. But we won't allow God access into our life. And I'm not saying that every time that the Lord comes into our life, it, cro- it causes great pain. But sometimes God begins to extract some things from our life. And sometimes we get so familiar and accustomed with the pain in our lives, it becomes like a, a safety blanket for us. And it can be an excuse to stay in that place. But we're hurting ourselves. God wants to heal us. God loves us. And I've found that God is gracious. I've got a weed in my life. He doesn't just yank that thing off and snap it off, but He'll gently pull that thing out. Oh, God, that's hurting. Okay, let me just slow down. Let me just pull that out a little bit more. Now we've got all the roots out. And now it's done. Spiritual growth and maturity is a lifelong process. So we're all a work in progress. Okay, let me read James 1, 2 again. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, count it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And I love the analogy that faith is kind of like a muscle. As we work out, as we exercise with weights or whatever, not me, I'm just saying people in general, (laughs) uh, it causes our muscles to grow. And faith is like that. Now Chris could tell us a little bit about lifting weights, but uh, but. We won't go there. We'll just keep moving on. But I love this analogy that faith is like a muscle. And, and so we want that to grow. My faith has grown through the times of challenges that i faced. When we, had, when we wanted to sell our house and we didn't have a sign in the yard, nobody knew it was for sale. And the Lord said, I'm bringing somebody to buy your house. That built my faith. I'm like, how are you going to do this, God? Nobody even knows our house is for sale. There's not even a sign in the yard. And we got a call and we sold our house. That built my faith. I'm like, God, that's amazing. That is amazing what you did. And then the time that I, I began to pray for a new truck and I just knew it's like the Lord is saying, you're going to get a new truck. And a few weeks later, somebody called me and said, I want to buy you a brand new truck. Go, go to San Antonio and pick it out. I got to pick out a brand new truck that was given to me. You can look back in your lives probably and see maybe little places where your faith has been built. And God wants to build those up like a muscle. All right. James 1, 3. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. God wants there to be some strength and some endurance in our lives. He wants us to be strong. He wants to exercise, he wants us to exercise faith and trust in him. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14. It says, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. So God gives us strength to stand firm in our faith. We don't have to waver. We don't have to worry about what somebody else is going to say. We can stand firm in our faith. We can be courageous. We can have courage. That means to have courage. We can be strong in the Lord. Do you realize the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you? That should give us some confidence of the strength and the power that resides within us. Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. That's the key. That is the glue that holds everything together. Let's go back to James 1.3. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Verse 4. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And this Greek word for perfect is telios, And what it means is complete in all of its parts. It means full grown. It means mature. It means having the completeness of Christ-like character in us. So that word perfect doesn't mean without blemish. It means accomplishing what it was designed to do. So your car is perfect. and Maybe it looks like it's been through the fire, but it gets you from point A to point B, right? So it's doing what it's designed. Now, there are some probably some nicer cars maybe that will do the same thing. But my point is, perfect doesn't mean without blemish. What it means is it's, it's doing what it was designed to do. So spiritual growth and maturity is a lifelong process. As our endurance grows and develops, we continue through the process to greater maturity. We go through stages. And, and so like when the Lord sold our house, for us, brought somebody to buy our house. That was a that was a, a major step of faith for me, but there was a foundation then that was laid that he continued to build on, and and so this this whole faith walk is a a, a growth process, and, and we go through stages. Consider that. Have you ever seen one of those uh, pirates telescopes? And and they kind of go out. You know, they fold out. Um, imagine that. That's kind of like. <laughs> This process that we go through. As you take it out one section, maybe you can see a little further and then you take it out to another section you can see a little further. You you take it out another section, you can see further and things become sharper. The images become clearer. And so that's kind of like this faith walk. Uh, As God continues to work in our life, we get honed in more on him and he begins to give us greater focus and strength for the things that he's called us to do. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Verse 4, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So as we grow in him, uh, the needs, because why? Because there's healing that takes place in our life. God begins to restore things in our life. God begins to deal with things like, uh, you know, maybe maybe we're really struggling because we've been rejected all of our life or something like that. Has anybody ever been rejected? Come on, we all have. But you know, those kinds of things can keep us bound up in chains for decades. There are people that have been bound up in, in issues dealing with rejection that are still bound up. And it not only impacts their life, but the lives of other people around them. So as our relationship With Christ grows strong and we are fully developed, we fulfill all that God has called us to. Many times we think we have to perform rather than realize we are being transformed through Christ. We live in such a performance-based society that we think we have to perform and not realize that God is transforming our life. Man, That should take some pressure off of us that we don't, oh, I've got to jump through all these hoops. No, wait a minute. We're saved by grace through faith when we believe not of our works that anyone should boast. It is a gift from God. So I'm thankful that he is transforming us and not requiring us to perform. The key is to yield our life to Christ. Let's go to James 1.5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. God is not wanting to withhold things from us. He is generous and wants to pour out abundantly. And it goes on to say that uh, James writes, he will not rebuke you for asking. Have you ever wanted something like, why don't you go ask dad? No, you go ask him. Send them. They, they have a lot of favor with that person. God is not going to rebuke us for asking for wisdom. And I promise you, in this life, you need some godly wisdom to navigate through the challenges that are before you. God wants to... Gr- it says... Uh, well, I think I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. He wants to give you wisdom. He wants to pour into your life. Hebrews 4, 14-16 says, So then, since we have a, gri- a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. What do we believe? We believe the word of God. We hold firmly. Here the writer of Hebrews is saying, he's encouraging us to stand firm, to stand strong. Do not compromise. For Verse 15, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So we have a high priest that can relate to everything that we're going through. So we can go to Jesus and say, Jesus, man, I'm really struggling with this. Verse 16, so let us come what boldly say boldly. Boldly. Thank you to the throne of our gracious God. Let us come boldly to that mean God. No, let us come boldly to the gracious God, our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. The Lord is available to us. And he's saying, come to the throne of grace. Just like a good daddy would say, come to me, son. What do you need? Come to me, daughter. What do you need? I'm not going to whip you because you're asking for something. I may not give it to you. You may not be ready for it. But come to me. Let me help you. Maybe there's a better way. Maybe there's something else that would be better for you. The Lord is always available and ready to help us. Call on him. Verse six. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave as the waves of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Well, I'm going to ask the Lord what I should do, but I've already made up my mind what I'm going to do. That's probably the wrong approach. How many times have you ever said, "Okay, I'm I'm going to do this," and you didn't you didn't inquire of the Lord, you didn't pray about it? And I've shared this example where I got this job. I didn't really ask the Lord about it. It was a perfect job, and I claimed that job, and I anointed that resume, and I got that job. And I, you know, a few months later, I'm like, God, help me. I hate this job. This is terrible. And it's almost like the Holy Spirit was tapping me on the shoulder and said, well, maybe you should have asked me about it. I had a little insight that might have helped you in that. <laughs> so it's not always what's logical or reasonable, but it's like, what do you want, Lord. It really goes back to us trusting the Lord. will will you really seek him? Verse six says, but when you ask, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Verse eight. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they are unstable in everything they do. So when we try to walk this line of the world says this and God says this, we're unstable in all that we do. And so we need to commit our heart to the Lord. And when we have challenges before us, seek Him. Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me or call us at 832-864-2800. Have a great week and remember to live Live it. it. God bless you.